just ask you to take your Bibles this morning and um, turn to the book of Acts. We are uh, we're in the middle of a series that we started last week, and, uh, and I'm excited about it. It's, um, I guess I should be, <laughs> hopefully I am, but uh, we've entitled this series uh, An Early Christmas, and so uh, we are bringing Christmas to you early this year. You can, you can thank us for that later, but uh, unwrapping the gifts of the Spirit, and, and so last week I just talked about how eventually, well, beginning next week, we'll kind of get to the gifts of the Spirit, because we find in God's Word that the Holy Spirit has gifts He wants to give you that will be a blessing to those around you. That, that's part of God's design through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so we'll get there next week, but uh, we realize it's important for us to have church some, some common ground that we would establish in terms of coming to the Word and saying, who is the Holy Spirit? What's his role in our lives? And so last week, we looked at uh, the person of the Holy Spirit, that, that he is a person. The Holy Spirit is not this impersonal force that if you can kind of harness that power, you know instinctively that some good things are going to happen in your life as a result. But no, the Holy Spirit brings power, but, but he's a person. He's as much a person as Jesus the Son is and as God the Father is. And, and the third person of the Holy Spirit is God the Holy Spirit. And so he has all the attributes of God. He, he, he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. Uh, he has um, this ability to do uh, things in our lives according to what God would have him to do that, that is really incredible when you look at it. And then, so we looked at the gift of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a gift to us. Then this morning, we're going to look at the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so that's, that's where we're going this morning. And my, my prayer this morning, I want to just say something right up front, and, and uh, perhaps this will be the context out of which we can look at this topic today. And my, my thought is this, it's just the words of Jesus, and Jesus tells us that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And I just give you that thought as, as a bit of a, an overarching approach to the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. You know, any step forward in your walk with God really uh, begins with a hunger for, for, for the things of God, doesn't it? It begins when God begins to stir you and, and you think, I, I'm, I'm not satisfied with just kind of where I am, but I, I'm hungry for uh, a deeper understanding of God in my life on a day-to-day basis. Have you ever at different points through the, through the week just thought, God, I, I just want to see you in some way today. I want to know your presence today in my life. And, and, and it's so easy for, for God to get lost in the details of our lives, so to speak. But there's something about walking in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to, uh, to experience his life in us on, on a day-to-day basis. But just know this. If you're hungry, God's going God's to fill that hunger. And doesn't that just kind of keep it simple? Doesn't that just kind of come back to the the simple fact of the gospel that that there's a need that God fills in our lives? And so if you're hungry this morning, God's going to meet that hunger in you with him, with his presence. And so this morning we're going to look at the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want to take you back to, to 1904. Anyone remember that year? No, of course you don't. 1904. Uh, the Great Welsh Revival kind of began in that year. And so, so can I take you for a moment to another continent? 
where if you are a historian of how God has, has moved over different seasons uh, in history, that there was this guy named Evan Roberts, a, a young coal miner, who began to have a deep hunger for God, and that's, that's just where it began. He was hungry for God. He wanted to know uh, the God that he read about. He wanted to experience God in his life, and he began to pray. He began to seek God. And so out of that, that hunger and, and others beginning to become hungry for the presence of God as well, God just began to fill that hunger. And out of that, there was this, there was this season in, in that nation that we know uh, is titled the Great, the, the Welsh Revival. And it was really this, this dramatic period of time where, where people began to move from being lukewarm and, uh, and really not caring all that much about God to coming to this place where they began to experience God in a reality, in a way that they'd never experienced it before. And you know, it really transformed society. How many of you have heard that example where the coal miners began to have to retrain the, uh, the, the colts, the pit colts, they called them, that would help to, to pull the, the, the coal down under uh, in the mines. They had to retrain uh, them because their language began to change. Have you heard this, uh, this example? Where uh, coal miners, uh, I guess traditionally, are, are kind of a, a rough group of guys. They, live in a, they work in a rough environment, and their words kind of reflect the rough environment that they, that they work in. And so the donkeys were used to being sworn at um, for uh, the colts. That, that was the instructions that they were used to. Okay, they knew what that meant. Okay, it meant to move forward or it meant to stop. And when God began to really get a hold of, of these, these men, he began to change them to the point where their language began to change and, and, and those poor colts didn't know what, what, what to do anymore. They had to, literally, they had to be retrained because they were used to a certain type of language. But just an illustration of when God really gets a hold of our lives, that things change, that there is a transformation in our lives as we encounter the goodness of God. And so, and so we, we know that, that there was this period where God began to pour out of his spirit and, and, um, and one of the marks of this move of God was people began to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and they began to experience this Acts chapter two experience, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Fast forward just two years to 1906 and we come to the North American continent and, and we, we come to this, this place in Los Angeles called Azusa Street. And you've, if you've grown up in Pentecost at all, you've, you've probably heard this before, but again, God began to move in response to the hunger of some people's hearts. God began to pour out uh, in, that, in that geographic location in a way that was remarkable. And again, people began to just hunger for God and they began to experience what we find in Acts chapter two, uh, this baptism in the Holy Spirit with, with speaking in tongues and and, and there was this move of God that began to spread uh, really around the globe. And it really just began again with this hunger in people's hearts to experience the power and presence of God in their lives in a new way. Can I bring us a little bit closer to home? And uh, about 15 minutes down the road, there's a little community called Kinburn. And um, Kinburn was the first Pentecostal church in Canada. And so God, in his sovereignty, chose... To, uh, to visit the Ottawa Valley, this conservative area of Canada uh, where, where God began to find some people that were just hungry for his presence, hungry for a deeper experience of God in their lives. 
And, and again, they began to experience this baptism in the Holy Spirit. They began to experience what they had been reading about in Acts chapter 2. And God just began to work in this region. So in case you didn't know, this, this is a significant region in terms of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. In terms of that first church that was established, uh, where people began to experience Pentecost, as they called it. And others began to, um, to just... Uh, Seek for that as well, and, and a church was, was birthed just down the road. I want to read you, read you an account of Mrs. A.V. Peaver, and um, this, is, uh, this is Earlene's grandmother. So Earlene, you know, wave at me from back there. Thank you. Earlene's grandmother. Uh, so let's just keep just bringing this closer and closer to home. So th- this, is, this is a grandmother, Earlene, who, who began to experience this hunger for God, and, and in 1911... She writes this in, in her testimony. She, she says this, since, since God saved me nearly 13 years ago, I've been praying for him to raise up a people in this place who would not be afraid to worship him in spirit and in truth. This winter, God answered prayer, although not in the way that we expected, but still he answered. Praise God. The second, she goes on to say, the second Pentecostal meeting that I went to, the people began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance, and it made me hungry. This was her response as she began to see people just experiencing uh, this in the Lord. Made her hungry. She goes on and says, "I, w- I was so uh, I-, I saw cloven tongues of fire on several of them, and and I began to think that this was the real thing." She 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 really felt, God, you're doing something here that's genuine. I was so hungry, she said. Yet I could not seek for myself, because every night God would say. Go to the altar and pray with the seekers. I obeyed and God blessed me. God came and gave me the comfort of the Holy Spirit and since then he has caused me to speak in tongues. I've never had such liberty, such power of faith. Never had such liberty in my life and such, such power of faith. And, and, and we, could, we could just go on and on and, and just um, reading testimonies of people who have experienced this moment with the Holy Spirit that they would say, you know, there was something about that moment where there was, a, there was a deeper place of God's work in my life that took place. And I can look back and I can see that that was such an important marker in my walk with God. And so it's important this morning that we understand what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. You may say, well, you know, this is a Pentecostal church. Uh, this is old news. You know, any one of you could come up here and, and teach us on this, and perhaps you could. But it's so important for us, church, as we come to this gift of the the Holy Spirit last week, this week the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, because there are misunderstandings that can be kind of swirl around this topic. You know, there's actually some pain that can be associated with this topic where perhaps you've prayed that you would receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and and speak in tongues and you haven't. And maybe you felt like a second-class Christian because of that. Maybe you felt judged by others because of that. This may actually be a painful topic for you. And so it's so important for us this morning to understand that there's a gift, and it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So what, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? I'm indebted this morning uh, for this illustration by, uh, for, from a pastor named Robert Morris who, who just, uh, I thought, gave an illustration that helps us to understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I want to share that with you this morning. And he talks about how if we look at how God works in our lives in terms of the Spirit of God, he said there's, there's three baptisms that we experience in our journey with God. So there, for, for you and I, 
there are three baptisms that we can experience. So we're just going to walk through those. And, and the first of those uh, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Now, this might be a new, a new passage of Scripture for you to unpack. Perhaps you've never looked at this in this way before. But let's read it. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Scripture says, We were all baptized by one spirit. I think I have that for you if we hit the next slide. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles. You know, there's no division in terms of God's, uh, God's um, view of us. Whether slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink, to experience the spirit of God. Same spirit that every one of us can experience in the same way. But he uses this word baptized. We were baptized by one spirit, capital S. Whenever you see the capital S, you know that he's talking about the spirit of God. So we were all baptized by one spirit into the body of Christ. So, so there, there is an experience that you have had if you've put your faith in Christ, that at the moment of putting your faith in Christ, that there's a work of the Spirit of God in you that brings you into the body of Christ, that brings you into the family of God. Remember last week we looked a little bit at this idea of adoption where by the Spirit's work in us, his, his dwelling in us is a mark that we, have, we are now brought into the family of God. And what does that mean? We are now brought into relationship with the one who has created us. And where once we were, we were outside of relationship with God, he made, he made it possible for us to come into the family of God, to be adopted into the family of God. And then as a son and daughter of God, you have, you have the blessing of the inheritance that God wants for you. You have the blessing of relationship with, with God and, and all of that 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 entails. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit refers to the fact that the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives simply means that that we are now part of the body of Christ. And that's what the scripture is saying. We're baptized into one body, the body of Christ. And the mark of that is the indwelling of the Spirit of God at the moment you put your faith in Christ. And so before we put our faith in Christ, before we receive the gift of salvation, this is kind of what our life looks like in terms of our spiritual life. You know, the Bible says that before you, before you allowed God to make you alive to him, then spiritually we were dead. There was this inability to experience the life of God in us because of sin. And we know Jesus paid the debt for that and, and God's desire for us is that by faith we would experience the life of God in us, the spirit of God living in us. And so at the moment of salvation, at the moment where you say, uh, God, I, I thank you for the gift of salvation and, and I receive the forgiveness of sins, at that moment, you are now made alive to the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God actually comes and dwells in you. And so at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes, we can just illustrate it this way, that the Spirit of God now lives in us. And there's this relationship that's been restored. And where once there's that separation from God, the life of God now dwells in us. We are made alive to God. And so... At the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And then, and then scripture says that when that happens, we are, we, are now, we are now brought into the family of God, the body of Christ. And so the first, the first instance of, of, of salvation means that we are, now, we are now filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God lives in us. And so that's the first baptism, that by faith, by faith you receive the Spirit of God into your life 
And it's, this is a step of faith. So, so I'm so thankful that this doesn't come about by works. It's not if you do, you know, X number of good things that, that now you're righteous in God's sight. It's not anything that you've done. It's what Jesus has done. That barrier of sin is removed. And now the life of God lives in us. So that's, that's the first baptism. The baptism into the body of Christ by the work of the Spirit. And so Ephesians 2.8 says that God saved you by his grace when you believed. It's, it's a step of faith. That's what it is. It's a step of faith. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Boy, your salvation is a gift. It's a, it's a step of faith that we receive it, but it's a gift of God. Romans 10.10 says, It is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It's not by works. Remember, this is a step of faith. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Romans 10.10. So the first baptism is, is really that moment of salvation where you are brought into the body of Christ. And then Jesus calls us to, to make a, a step of obedience. And so the second step, second baptism, we would, we would look at water baptism. And so this is just a step of obedience. It's a step that says, God, you, you've called me, Jesus, you, you've, you've asked me to be baptized in water as an outward symbol of the inward reality that I now enjoy, that I have been washed clean of my sin, that I stand in relationship with you now, God. And so this is a step of obedience. This was a step of faith. You could only receive it by faith. This is a step of obedience. Some stop here, and they never get to that step of obedience and just saying, God, I'm going to obey your word that tells me that I am to take that step of obedience and be baptized in water. And so that, that step of obedience just simply is, it's a physical uh, act that symbolizes the reality of an inward reality in terms of the Spirit of God now living in us. So if you haven't been baptized, I'd encourage you that, that this really is a step of obedience. Don't stop here. Don't receive the gift of salvation by faith and then think, okay, that's, that's good, I'm gonna walk with God, and, and yes, you will. But there's a step of obedience that God calls you to. If you've never been baptized, it doesn't matter to me if you're two or 200. <laughs> there's always that moment where you can say, God, I'm gonna take that step of obedience and I'm gonna be baptized in water. And, and, and it's simply that outward symbol it's that, kind of, it's that moment where I go public in terms of my walk with God and it symbolizes what God has done in us. I want to just ask if you'll watch this, um, this media clip that just unpacks a little bit more this second baptism, baptism in water. Let's watch this for a moment.
Isn't that a great reminder? Well, how many of you remember? How many of you remember that moment where you're baptized in water, and um, and while it's symbolic of what has what God has done in your life, I think it's even a bit deeper than that, where it, it is a moment that strengthens your faith, where you are willing to say, uh, "This is what Jesus has done for me." This is what I'm celebrating, and I want to be obedient to what Jesus has called me to do, which is, which is to be immersed in water and to come back up as a symbol, a uh, picture, a word picture, a visual uh, of what God has done in my life that I've been cleansed. So if you've never been baptized in water, I encourage you that, that there's, there's a step of faith that you've already taken in, in receiving the forgiveness of Jesus. You are cleansed. You step into relationship with God. And then there's a moment where you go public with that. And if you've never done that, I encourage you to, to pray about that and say, to say, Jesus, I'm willing to be obedient. It's a step of obedience. And then that brings us to the third uh, baptism, which is baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and this is, a, this is a, another a moment of significance in terms of our journey. John the Baptist begins, we, we get hints of this, um, of, of this moment that's coming. We begin to hear about this from John the Baptist in Matthew 3.11. John says, um, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me, speaking of Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so John the Baptist begins to point to people that there's, there's, there's this work that Jesus wants to, uh, to do in our lives that is, is titled the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so he said, there's, there's this experience that you can experience. And it's, it's this moment where the Spirit of God uh, brings you into this deep place of relationship with him. You know, who's doing the baptizing in this scripture? It's Jesus. What is he baptizing us with or in? It's, it's the Holy Spirit. And so we learned uh, that Jesus, through the scripture, Jesus wants to bring us into this empowering, enabling, energizing presence and relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself begins to speak about this, and in Luke 24, 49, he says, I'm gonna send you what my Father has promised, but wait in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Acts 1, 5, Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2, we find the fulfillment of this promise that that the disciples wait, and and they simply wait in in obedience to Jesus. And in Acts chapter 2, I just want to read it for you. Uh, The day of Pentecost comes, and and this day that, that Jesus promised arrives. And let's just read it. It's so familiar, but let's read it again in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, the disciples were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in his own native 
language. And, and the passage goes on to talk about the different languages that they were hearing. And then Peter gets up and begins to explain what's going on in verse 14. Peter stood up with the 11, the other disciples, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. There is this thought, well, these people must be drunk. Uh, He says, it's only nine in the morning. Now think about it. No, this is not what was spoken. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so Peter just begins to talk about this is the gift that Jesus told us to wait for. And, uh, and this is that experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and there's this tongues as, as evidence of that as, as this moment happens where where uh, God gave them this, this ability to speak in tongues. And, and, you know, there's different reasons why people have said, you know, why that gift and, and why, you know, why that experience uh, evidenced by gift, the gift of speaking in tongues. We won't get into all that this morning. But I want to just bring us to that thought that there is an experience in the Holy Spirit that you and I can, can seek out and we can be promised to receive and it's simply this experience whereby there's, there's a depth uh, of, of the power and presence of the Spirit of God that we encounter in our lives. You know, if you read the book of Acts, uh, from this moment on, the disciples just began to make it a pattern. And when they encountered people uh, who, who were believers, they would ask them this question, have you received the Holy Spirit? And we find in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 10 and, and also Acts chapter 19, where the disciples simply made that part of, uh, part of what they expected, that once you've believed, that you're then going to have this experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so their question to people was, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And, and if people said no, they would just simply lay their hands on them, begin to pray, and, and Scripture talks about how again and again the Holy Spirit came and, and they received this gift of speaking in tongues. There was this, this experience that they, that they knew of in the Spirit of God. And so we need to understand that this, this is not a salvation experience. Remember that when you give your heart to God, when you take that step of faith, that the Spirit of God now indwells you. And there has been some confusion that kind of, uh, that sounds like this, that you haven't really received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't indwell you unless you've spoken in tongues and been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, that's a separate experience that we're talking about this morning. If you have placed your faith in Christ, the Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You are now the temple of the Spirit of God. There is that relationship. In fact, the Spirit of God is that, is that deposit that guarantees what's to come. The Spirit of God is that seal on your life that just reminds you that you are you're now part of the family of God, that you've been brought into relationship with God. And so this is that step of faith where the Spirit of God is now living in you and, and you're walking with the Spirit. This is that step of obedience. And then the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I believe, is just that, is that place of surrender. And it's that place of deep yieldedness to the Spirit of God, where we simply say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, make yourself at home in my life. 
And, and my desire is, is for a greater uh, power and presence of your work in my life. And so, and so I come to this place of just surrender and I say, I, I yield to the Spirit of God and, and I just say, make yourself at home in me, Spirit of God. Would you, every area of my life, I just surrender to you. Why? Because I'm hungry for a deeper uh, experience of your power and presence in my life. You see, there is this experience with the Holy Spirit that, that allows you to walk in close friendship and be empowered in a deeper way in your walk with the Spirit of God. You know, it's so important for us to remember that the primary aspect of baptism in the Holy Spirit is relationship. It's not, it's not speaking in tongues. It's not even his power that is available to us, but the primary focus is relationship. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a person. You know, I, I, um, I think sometimes of, of uh, this, this experience that, that my dad and, and mom used to often uh, want us to experience, and, and it was Swiss chalet. How many of you guys like Swiss chalet? Uh, and so it kind of went like this. We'd, we'd say, Mom and Dad, we're going to be down in your area. Can we drop by for a visit? And uh, a lot of times they would say, sure, let's go to Swiss chalet. And we liked that. You know, we, we enjoyed Swiss chalet. Um, but, you know, it, it, it wasn't just that, that blessing of, of the, you know, of the chicken and the, uh, you know, the quarter chicken white meat with the special sauce and, and, and the fries that just kind of taste like only, only uh, Swiss chalet can make them taste. It, was, it wasn't that primarily. It was being with mom and dad. It was that relational piece. And we would never think of saying, you know, um, why don't you just give us a gift certificate? And, and, you know, we'll, we'll go and we'll enjoy the chicken and we'll enjoy the fries and we'll enjoy that experience. But it's really, you know, that's kind of what we're, what we're after. And, you know, whether or not you're there doesn't really matter all that much. You'd never do that. You know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't about getting tongues or even just about receiving power. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is about this place of, of, a, of a deeper walk with the, the person of the Spirit of God. And if we ever think, I just want that badge, I, I want to be, you know, I want to be able to say I've received the gift of speaking in tongues. And, and if that's all it is to you, I, I just want to ask you to reconsider this morning what this is about. And perhaps in our Pentecostal circles, we have maybe almost made it that, where you get the badge, and if you haven't got it yet, you're not in, but when you get it, you're in. And yet, have you spoken in tongues? Yep, I have. And that's, and that's kind of where it ends wow, do we ever do a disservice to the person of the Holy Spirit if that's all it becomes? And so, yes, there is a deeper experience in the Holy Spirit that that he wants us to experience. And yes, there's that gift of speaking in tongues. Yes, there's a deeper place of experiencing his power in our lives, but it begins out of this desire, a hunger for a deeper relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And so primarily the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, is this place of, of surrender where we experience a deeper uh, power and presence of his, uh, of his work in our lives. And yes, something more is added. There's additional power for life and mission. Boy, if you look at the, if you look at the disciples when they began to experience the power of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, boy, things changed. Wow, what a difference. There, there's this additional power and presence of the Spirit of God for life and for mission. You know, we have to avoid the error, error of overstating this. Some Pentecostals have, have said, and I've mentioned this already, that unless you speak in tongues, you're not saved. That's an overstatement. It's not true. 
Some have claimed that all power and all ministry gifts follow the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, if you haven't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues, then you have no power and you have none of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, and that's not true. It has been overstated before. We have overstated this as Pentecostals in that sense. And we've made people feel as though there's no activity of the Spirit of God in my life unless I experience that. There's additional power, I believe that. There's, there's, additional, uh, there's a deeper place of surrender and walking with the Holy Spirit and of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But we have to acknowledge that there is significant work of the Holy Spirit in our lives the moment we become saved. The Spirit of God is at work in your life at that moment. And then there's a moment where we can experience a deeper place of his power and presence in our lives. And so should this be something that we pursue? Yes, it should. Something more is added. There's a transformation that we can experience through this place of surrender to the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, every illustration has its limitations, but, but it's, something, it's something like the difference, perhaps, if we want to look at it this way, between a well and a spring. If you have a well in your backyard, you know that a well does what? It, it contains water. A spring is a little bit different. A spring begins to bubble up, and, and, that, and that spring actually uh, becomes this source that, that, uh, that, that just begins to, to affect everything around it. And, and so I, I think baptism in the Holy Spirit, that experience that we read about and that I think we should seek for and, and, and expect in our lives, it's simply where the Holy Spirit begins to do this deeper work in us where there's this overflow of his power and presence in our lives where you know, you'll notice that the container is just getting all wet, isn't it? <laughs> and it's no longer just a well, but it's a spring. There's, there's this deeper place uh, of experiencing the power and presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. And it affects us. There's, there's, there's a moment where, where we can experience that deeper place in, in the Spirit of God. So, so it's not just a badge that we seek for. I, I just, just want to get the tongues. <laughs> so I'm in. You know, I can say I'm Pentecostal and, and I feel like now I really belong in this church because I got the badge and Wow, am I ever glad that happened? <laughs> you know, I can relax now. No. <laughs> no. It's about having a deeper hunger in your heart to know the power and presence of God. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And so this morning, as, as we come to this thought that there's this moment that, that we can experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that that if this morning there's this growing hunger in your heart for, for a deeper place of walking with the Spirit of God, I believe that, that God will answer that desire of your heart. I believe that as you simply open your heart to the Spirit of God and as you come to a place of surrender to Him, that, that there is this experience that Jesus said, you know, wait, wait until you're clothed with power. Wait until there's this experience of the Holy Spirit where, where there's, a, there's a deeper experience of his power in your life. And so this morning, I'm just going to ask that we would stand, and we're just going to pray. I know that time has, has slipped away on us quickly today, but um, I want to just, just pray and, and, and give you an opportunity to just respond. And so if Judy could come back, and, and we're just going to take a moment to allow you to respond. But my prayer this morning 
is that you would have a hunger and a thirst for the Spirit of God, that you would come to this place of beginning to seek for a deeper experience in Him that would empower you in a way that you have yet to experience. I believe that's God's desire for every one of us, that we would just come to this place of saying, God, I I just seek for that place in you. I seek for for that deeper experience of your power and presence in my life. And so all week that's been my prayer that that there would just be a deeper hunger in you as a result of our time on the word this morning. That if you haven't experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues, that you wouldn't feel diminished today. You wouldn't feel like a second-class Christian. You wouldn't feel like I'm out and there's others that are in. No, none of that comparison. But simply you just begin to hunger in a deeper way for a move of the Spirit of God in your life. And it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Receiving is just a matter of seeking and in God's timing and in His way that God will bring you to a deep place of of experiencing His presence in your life. And so if there's any misunderstandings that you've had about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I just hope that it's clearer this morning for you. If someone has told you that if you haven't spoken in tongues and you don't have the Spirit of God living in you, I hope that that's clear this morning that it's not true. If they've made you feel like unless you've spoken in tongues, you have, you have no eff- there's zero of God's, the Spirit of God's at work in you in no way, I hope that this morning you realize that's just not true. And I hope you also realize that there is this deeper place that God calls us to and that you'd simply hunger for that place in the Spirit of God. Just hunger for, for God to do a deeper work in you. So this morning, let's pray. And I'm just gonna ask that, that if you if you're stirred this morning to just simply come and say, God, I I just want a deeper dimension in my relationship with you. I'm hungry for your presence in my life in a deeper way, that you would come and and would you just join me and take a few minutes just to seek God this morning. There's a few people that will pray with you and I've asked some specific people to just minister this morning. If you're one of them and people come, would you just come and pray with them? If you haven't been asked to be part of the ministry team this morning, just just seek God from your seat or if you want to come and and seek him at the front, that's fine. But church, is there a stirring in your heart? That we just go to some deeper places in God today. That we would experience a new dimension. And perhaps you've been, you experienced this already, but, but you are dry. <laughs> and, and you just need to come and say, God, I'm hungry again for, for the flow of your spirit in my life. I'm just hungry for that this morning. If that's you this morning, as, as, we, as we just sing this chorus that Judy's leading us in, would you come? Would you come and just take some time this morning? If you need to leave and, and there, you have commitments to go to, don't feel bad for, for slipping out this morning. Please go ahead and do that. This is kind of our, our formal time of response, and if you, if, if you need to go, then please go ahead and do that or slip out at any time. Don't feel as though you have to wait for some benediction today to have permission to go. But I encourage you to stay for a few minutes, whether it's in your seat or at the front. And would we respond this morning to the Spirit stirring in our hearts? Would you come if you'd like to pray, if you'd like prayer, if you'd like to seek the Lord at the front? And let's just take some time to worship church.